Less Doing, episode 87. Ari talked with Tony Blauer of Spear Tactical Systems about devaluing yourself as a target, multitasking, and carjackings. Welcome back to the Less Doing Podcast. Hey, Felix. Hey, mate. How you doing? Doing great. So we've got episode 87 today with Tony Blauer of Spear Tactical Systems. I had to say All it like right. that. Yes. <laughs> um, so to, the reason I wanted to interview Tony was that he teaches this. Uh, it's not really a fighting style per se. It's a self-defense style, but I'm all about efficiency. And I've, I've been a practitioner of Krav Maga for several years now, which is the Israeli martial art, which I believe is a very efficient fighting and self-defense form. And uh, Spear in some ways takes it a step further, not in terms of necessarily it's wor- better or worse, but I feel like it's almost more about efficiency than anything else. So. Uh, it was a really interesting conversation. Tony's a total badass, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Basically, a lot of what he talks about is devaluing yourself as a target so that you don't uh, get attacked in the first place, and there's a lot of strategy and mindset that goes into that. Wow. I can't wait to hear all about this. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, let's start off with cool. the review. Yeah, let's go to that. So we got a, uh, a review of your book, or uh, this is one of the reviews of your book, um, on Amazon, a really great guide for transforming your lifestyle. I love the life hacks which save you time and money. The entrepreneurship advice and ideas are very usable when you're focused on more than focus more on the strategic planning than the executing. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very very much. The the Amazon reviews, the iTunes reviews, we all we appreciate all of them, and they help us stay yeah. up in the ranks, and they help other people discover what we feel is this really good, great, important content. So thank you. That's for by Manol us. by Manol T. So thank you, Manol. Thank you very much. Okay, so this week we got some really cool links. First of all, DeepFreeze.io. Now I, 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 this. This is, I, I was fascinated by this for some reason, but because I think you and I had just been talking about this concept when I saw it. But basically, if you haven't heard, Dropbox has now increased their standard storage plan to a terabyte, is it? One terabyte. One terabyte. And it's awesome. It's changing my life. Yeah, so I that's swear a, that's by this stuff. A lot, obviously. Uh, yeah. Terabyte is a lot. But there is a lot of pe- there are a lot of people who have terabytes of data. And yeah, it's myself being one of them, by the yeah, way. Yeah, right. A lot of, especially, yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're in music or film or any of those kinds of things or graphic design, even, you're mm-hmm. going to have terabytes and terabytes. Actually, one of the people at the mastermind this weekend had three terabytes of music. And he's, I mean, just as a hobbyist, basically. So, oh, wow. Just three terabytes of music. So, what deepfreeze.io does is it's very cheap storage for lots of space. And the, what's the catch, basically? The catch is that you don't have immediate access to it. So you still have, you still have uh, cloud access, so you can you know upload, download things just like with Dropbox. But if you need a file or something, you basically have to request it, and then a few hours later you can actually access it. So I'm not. You dug into this a little bit more, Felix, right? About how they're actually doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, they, according to them, they're they're using a um, they're using like Amazon simple some Amazon servers basically. And um, but the point is, is that it's they, they've got it. It's already secure. It's encrypted, and it's a great way. Uh, I mean, for me, I have um, I have like what about twelve gigabytes of um, of of data that I that I use. I mean, most of that is is music samples of orchestral libraries and things like that. And uh, and I always think about you know I've got to have everything absolutely backed up so I can if there's a you know a, if my house is burnt in a fire i can i don't lose my computer and my setup and i can be up and running the next day hopefully um and this is a great way of having a backup of massive files very affordably um i don't know if these guys will um mail you a drive physically um to retrieve that data let's say you've got four terabytes that you need to get back in the event of a disaster um i expect they could probably do that but um you know, being able to have, being able to store, you know, for me, you know, two terabytes of samples up there and have it um, very cost efficient is, is great. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. uh, just to give you some a comparison, you know, so they're charging 10 bucks a month for a terabyte. And if you go to like SugarSync, it's 55 bucks a month. Right. You know, yeah, so exactly. It's, it's yeah. just to give you an idea. So this was, is a really good uh, redundancy. Yeah. 
Uh, so the next one is a service called Vatler. Now, we talked on the last podcast about how much I love on-demand. Actually, I probably talked about on every podcast how much I love on-demand services. Mm-hmm. Vatler is in San Francisco. And I, by the way, I feel like if you, if you split your time between living in San Francisco and New York, that you can pretty much beta test every single startup that there ever is. Yeah, right. um, so what this does is I love this. So basically, you, are go- you leave your house to go to work. You request a Vatler. And it's basically a valet. So what happens is there's going to be somebody waiting for you at your office, get out of your car, they take your car and they go park it. And the whole service, including the pickup and bringing it back to you, is 20 bucks a day. So they go park it wherever they're going to park it. And they bring it back to you. They bring it back. You request the car 10 minutes before you're leaving work and they bring your car back to you. No way. So it is literally like valet wherever you are. Wow. That's so cool. And uh, my wife would like, just absolutely love that. Yeah. So, like for instance, in uh, in the financial, well, in the um, the Mission District of San Francisco, they say it's three hundred bucks a month for unlimited parking in valet. So, I don't know what parking in San Francisco is, but I mean, I can tell you in New York, that's. I mean, you know, you're looking at yeah. seven, eight, nine hundred dollars a month for. So parking. they pay the parking, include the parking. How do they do that? Well, my guess is that they're pro- they, either they're taking it somewhere that's like not in the center of town. Mm-hmm. So it's cheaper parking. Or maybe they have their own lots. I wonder how that works. But, Very interesting. I mean, it's amazing. You know, so it's basically... Because you can use this for work, of course, but what if you're just going to... You want to go have lunch maybe somewhere. Maybe they rent out your car during that time. Yeah. You could do that too, right? <laughs> yeah. They, they, they actually Airbnb your car. <laughs> yeah, while, they don't uh, tell you that your gas tank is going to be empty. No, no. Like no. that scene anyway. in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, exactly. It's what I first thing I thought of. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next one is uh, uh, one called Low Yo. And so if anyone's familiar with Low Yo, which I'm not, uh, really, it's about basically that that app where you can just say yo to somebody. It's like to let you know that you're thinking about them. It's the ultimate, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of the age of like short communication. Um, but yeah, what, right. you, what low yo does is you have like a group of people on there and you can just hit one thing on them and it requests where they are, their location. And then the person oh, okay. basically says yes and you get their location back. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I, I love all these location all these location uh, sharing mm-hmm. things, you know, we have it between us with our family. And it, yeah. it, there's a lot of times when it really is quite valuable. So it's awesome. I like this. Yeah. I thought it was very simple. Uh, so the next one is a website called DNA Fit. And I heard about this from a, another podcast, but basically they'll take your 23andMe results. And, and by the way, so 23andMe is the service that lets you test your own DNA. And they test it, they give you a bunch of information, but the FDA cracked down on them as a, as a health service. So they can't make a lot of the recommendations or uh, provide a lot of the information they used to. So fortunately, there's all these other services that have popped up that will take your 23andMe data and analyze it for you right away and give you, you know, whatever recommendation they're focusing on. So DNA Fit shows you, based on your DNA, what your preferred diet is and what your ideal training methodology is. So uh-huh. it's, it's an, you know, and of course, other things affect your life and your diet and stuff other than just your DNA. But I, I like the service because it, it, it makes your DNA data a little more actionable because a lot of people tend to do that and then they, they don't really look at it ever again or they don't really know what they can do with it. So what this, wow. uh, what this was showing for me was what, not very surprising was that like I'm, I'm meant to be a sprinter uh, and endurance, I have some endurance in me, but... Oh, did, did you do, you've done the 23andMe thing, so you have that data, do you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I did 23andMe a, a long time ago. Oh, okay. And... Um, yeah. So with and it with, never changes, obviously. What? And it never changes, obviously. Well, DNA, that's not right? true. Epigenetics oh, not true. would say that your DNA can be changed by your environment, and oh, really? uh, it can affect you. But more importantly, it can affect not only your offspring but your offspring's offspring. So you can actually have two generations of effects. Yeah. I mean, they've actually shown that, like, if your grandparents smoked heavily, then you are actually at a higher predisposition to lung cancer. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So basically what happens is you get like breaks in the DNA along the way. And yeah, so there, there actually can be an effect on that. It's a really interesting field, I think, epigenetics. Mm. But uh, so one of the things that they showed in my fitness report, because I didn't do the diet report because I, I, I don't know, I just didn't. Um, I know that I have, I'm not carb sensitive and all sorts of stuff. So what they showed that... But what's the diet report? Uh, the diet will show like what uh, your... I find the right diet for you. Yeah, but okay. on a general level, like insulin sensitivity, likeliness, and uh, pr- you know propensity to diabetes. So maybe you should watch your sugar, like that kinds of things. 
Um, okay. But do, one of do, the things, do you know off the top of your head how much 23 and Me is to do that? I think it's 99 bucks. Oh, okay. Okay. 99 bucks. So what this showed for my recovery profiles as far as <coughs> fitness goes was that I recover very fast. Okay, so that's not surprising to me that that was the result. Uh, but I recover very, very fast. And as I said, I found that especially... No, that's because you're very fit. Is that right? No, no, it has nothing to do with that. Oh, nothing to do with that. No, okay. you can have someone who's very fit, but they just, you know, they go out and do a hard exercise and they just get wrecked. Um, and actually, they say it's basically this this genetic component, which I'll, I'll sort of try to sum up very quickly for people. But essentially, uh, we have a, a variation in our genes that helps with the removal of, of SOD2, which is a free radical. Um, so it can cause you know, more damage. And also, there's a gene, it's related to immune support and recovery, which is uh, your C-reactive protein. I, I don't want to get too technical for people because it's going to bore them. But basically, mm. uh, I have those variations. And it says, basically, when exercising, some people are lucky enough to recover very quickly, ready to exert themselves again after very little rest, whereas others don't seem to bounce back quite as fast, needing a longer break between hard training bouts. So... Essentially, I don't, I don't have the delayed recovery one, which is cool. Mm. Uh, but another thing, so then uh, endurance and power potential. And basically, I have a, ver- a, a pretty good mix, but I am slightly shifted towards the endurance thing. So I am and, – and the important thing is with the, that doesn't mean that I shouldn't go out and try to be a powerlifting champion, although I probably shouldn't for other reasons. <laughs> but it does mean that I do have to probably work it a little harder to, to get that, you know – 400 pound deadlift whereas i'm more likely to be able to do an endurance sport if i actually apply myself to that uh, okay and then uh one other that i thought was cool was the anaerobic the aerobic potential so this is fascinating to me mine was low so it's saying that i have very low aerobic capacity but hmm. that's one of those things where you really can train it so what that means for me is that i used to get really like going up a couple flights of stairs would actually get me feeling winded which was crazy okay. even when i was in shape but right when I was doing Ironman training and I actually went for a real VO2 max test, which is basing, basically, this is, this is saying what my, what my sort of genetic potential is. But as we know, you know, science can sort of trump biology sometimes. So I trained my aerobic potential to be much greater, but it's probably back to not so great anymore because I don't work out like that anymore. But, uh, you know, some people just like, like our, our wife's cousin, DJ, you know, they just have a, a, natural tendency to be able to breathe and hold their breath and use their breath much more efficiently. Oh, really? Okay. So anyway, uh, wow. it's a British company, by the way, DNA Fit. Yeah, so I noticed. Yeah, really I cool. All the, yeah. Uh, okay, so then uh, there's a device coming out. Actually, it's, a, it's out. You can buy it called the Orange Chef Prep Pad, and it's a iPad-connected uh, food prep pad where you can put the food on, identify what the food is, and based on the weight, it will give you a very immediate real-time breakdown of the calories, the proteins, fats, carbs that are in that thing. And, you know, they show like putting an apple on and then they start adding almonds to it and each almond like makes the scale go up. And if you're oh, really, really trying to track what you're doing, this is a cool way to do it. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Not that I'm recommending that people count their calories per se, but if you do want to break down sort of the macronutrients of what you're eating, hmm. this would give you a much better... It's not even an estimate. This would give you really exactly what you're getting. Oh, what kind of foods do you know can it identify? It says it's got a database of 300,000. So oh, okay. everything from steak to nuts to fruits and but vegetables. Raw, raw, raw foods like that are like in their natural form? or uh, And you can, well, that's a, good, that's a very good question. It doesn't, I, I'm imagining from what they're could saying. I, could it, I put it's, like a chocolate-covered biscuit? I mean, a chocolate-covered cookie on there and... Uh, it wouldn't be able to detect chocolate covered cooking, huh? <laughs> I, I think that uh, that sounds very good. Uh, I'm I think thinking that this of my is, favorite one. Since it's yeah. called the prep pad, I'm imagining that this is for when you're preparing your foods. Right, right. So you'd be you'd be checking the ingredients as they go in. Yeah. Uh, and wow. then there's two things that came out of Withings or Wyvings. Very clever, though. Depending on how you say it, um, I don't know. Do you know about this by the way? Because Withings or whatever it is is a French company. So do you think it's Withings or Wyvings? <laughs> Or uh, well, <laughs> it's not remotely a French name. No. Seeing as TH is like the hardest thing for a French person to pronounce. Wizings. It'd be Wizings. Yes. <laughs> Felix and I are both married to French women, so we can make fun of the French accent any way we, we choose. <laughs> Sorry if we offend anybody. <laughs> um, so uh, they, come out, they have two devices that are, they've come out with. One is called the Withings Home, and the other one is called the Withings Aura. So the Aura is a sleep tracking device very similar to the Bedit. So it's a pad mm. that goes under your bed, and not only does it do the tracking, but it has this light with it. 
and the light uh, will will basically use light therapy to help you fall asleep and also wake up more easily. Wow. So you're going to yeah. get the the colored lights that you need to have more restful sleep and a more uh or uh friendly or gentle wake up. Yeah, that's so, a great idea. Pretty cool. And I I think this this takes the concept of the bedded a little bit further and I also like the fact that all of the Withing stuff has an IFTTT t- uh, channel, which is great. Oh, that is clever, yeah. yeah so, I wonder if this stuff tells you when is the best time to go to sleep based on what time you woke up that morning. That well, would be interesting. That's a good question. Because then, you know, with my son, youngest son, who's pretty young, he's 18 months waking me up very early each morning, I wonder if it would say, you know, it'd be great if you could have a nap which would say, you know, you should get ready for bed in half an hour or something. Um, that's a good yeah. point, you know, and I don't think yeah. it does. And I don't think people have looked at that, but that's a really great point. Um, so, yeah. That. Uh, and then the other thing that they came out with is called the Withings Home. So it's a, it's basically a, uh, like a, a home webcam for watching what's going on, you know, security or checking out a dog or a loved one, but they took it a little step further and it has environmental functions. So it'll record all that stuff and it'll take like five second videos or photos and it makes what they call their home diary. So you can sort of see what happened in your home over the last couple of days, but it also yeah. has a VOC sensor, which is volatile organic compounds that you get from things like paint or, uh, some adhesives and other chemicals you might have in your home, temperature mm. sensor, humidity, and it'll alert you at all that stuff. And oh, it wow. also has the IFTTT channel, so you can sort of keep a record of tracking that information. Oh, that's cool. really like it. And then the, wow. uh, the last thing I have the, uh, is there was a survey in Science News called the, uh, about what stresses out Americans. And I just like this because the, the, biggest, the biggest one overall was too many responsibilities. And this is basically like what I'm always talking about, people feeling overwhelmed. And a lot of that honestly comes down to not being aware because there is so much and there's so much overwhelm. So if you can gain some self-awareness, a lot of times those problems may still be there, but at least you have a way to attack them. So Mm. it was kind of, I always like when science sort of validates what we work on with less doing and what we're sort of put out there for people. Yeah, of course. So... I, I like that. The, one of the lowest ones was problems with neighbors. So apparently problems with neighbors only stresses out 7% of the American population, <laughs> which is funny because I've had but lots of issues there. with neighbors. That's pretty, that's quite a lot. Well, I've yeah. had lots of issues with neighbors. So I, I, I just find that kind of funny. Yeah, no. But uh, it was too many responsibilities overall. Problems with finances was the second. And work, pro- actually work problems and problems with financing was, uh, was tied. Right. Anyway, yeah. all right, so that's all I have. Do you have anything this week, Felix? Uh, no, not for this week. Not no. For this no. Okay. No. Well, I hope that this is the beginning of a pattern for us for getting two episodes out a week. I hope everyone enjoys this. And as usual, you know, leave us feedback, send us comments, whatever you got. And thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Felix. Okay. Thanks. See you guys. Now I am speaking with Tony Blauer a total badass and creator of the Spear system, which is a self-defense system. So, Tony, thank you for talking to me. Hey, how are you doing, man? Happy to be here. Doing great. So thank you again for, for taking the time to talk to me. So r- right away, let's just, let's just tell people what Spear is. So Spear is a, a kind of a, a, a cool acronym. Um, I say cool because it was originally just a, an icon trying to, when I was working with the military back in the uh, early 90s, you know, we talked about being the tip of the spear in a fight. And, you know, as an uh, age-old metaphor of the real warriors, the tip of the spear, you need to impale the attack, you need to move towards the danger. So it was just a metaphor, and out of that evolved a um, uh, kind of a, a combative tactic. We modified our, our stance, our hands formed the shape of a uh, spear or a combat stance. And whatever somebody did at close quarter, we would just, we would just charge it and impale it. Uh, using our forearms in a very uh, tactical, efficient manner. Um, and I was teaching it down at uh, Naval Special Warfare down in the early 90s. And uh, because it was a go-to move, we've been using it for several years in our, in our seminars. Uh, when we identified it in our, in our lesson plans, we always capitalized it because it was kind of like a noun. It was the spear. Um, and uh, so the guys who are in the military, they're fanatics about acronyms. They thought it was an acronym. They said, you know, what's this mean? And I said, what do you mean? What's what mean? And they were like, what's spear mean? And I know it's spear. It's just an icon. It's just move tip of the spear. And they were like, oh shit, we thought it was a, 
we thought it was an acronym because he capitalized it. And I was in Europe about a week after this training ended and I was going, wouldn't it be cool if that was an acronym? And I sat down and, and the, um, in, in kind of like the, uh, the brief when we would explain the rationale, we would talk about the body's cross-extensor reflex, the startle flinch, the physiology and everything that happens at a, uh, this uh, uh, unconscious slash subconscious level in a confrontation where you, when your body prepares for danger, if a, if a stimulus is introduced too quickly, um, what happens is your body gets this micro or major flinch and uh, your hands will move up to protect your head and take the shape of kind of like this, this odd spear shape. And if you charge the threat right there, you're in an in a incredibly fast explosive uh, uh, position because you're supercharged by the speed of this flinch response. Anyways, it's highly technical for a, for a, for a Skype call, but uh, I'd, already, I'd always explained it as your body has this spontaneous protection. It's the startle flinch. And what you need to use is, is the, um, the uh, kind of the, the kinetic energy that's created uh, you're going to take that and launch that energy into the assault. So everyone got that. And slowly, you know, I was sitting there looking at this whiteboard with the letters S-P-E-A-R. And uh, I wrote down spontaneous protection. And I sat for about half an hour staring at it and came up with all these different, you know, phrases and settled on aggressive retaliation, spontaneous protection, enabling aggressive retaliation and then about two years later, as the law enforcement community started to pick up on our, our training methodology, we modified it because it was just in a litigious community. Aggressive retaliation could be misconstrued so many ways. So it eventually, you know, this is 20 years ago, um, it's now a spontaneous protection enabling accelerated response. Spontaneous protection, referring to the body's startle flinch response, accelerated response, using the kinetic energy to move towards the danger. And it's a pretty cool acronym. <laughs> and that's the short story. Yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, and that's, <laughs> it's definitely a cool acronym. It's a, it's a, a very intense sounding thing. And, and, uh, and yeah, I even love how in the logo of it, you have the hands in that position and it, it makes a lot of sense. So yeah. Go ahead. You're, you're, I mean, but this, it is mainly, is it self-defense or can you use this offensively? Well, you know, those, uh, you know, it's interesting is, is, um, you know, if you're using a, a firearm, for personal safety, and I said to you, is that used for self-defense or could you use it offensively? Your answer would be it would depend on the scenario. Of course, right. all of them as a good Samaritan, as a law-abiding citizen, would be in defense. But what we do in our courses, we talk about the idea of protection versus defense. I'm, I'm you know, we do a, a ton of uh, public speaking, uh, uh, you know, and uh, motivational talks into all different groups. And, and so I'm huge on words as icons and what we talk about. And we use, we use the, the idea of I'm going to teach you a personal defense concept that transcends everything. In other words, the ability to protect yourself or a loved one is the single greatest skill you could possess. And it's the only skill you want to have that you hope you never have to use. And it's a, it's an interesting thing. If I, you know, you could be in the middle of the biggest business deal in the world, or you know, trying to pick up some girl, or or you know, you're 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 gambling in Vegas and you're on a roll. And if there was sudden violence directed at you or a, uh, someone you cared about, none of that would matter. You it would stop. It would supersede anything you were doing. Uh, but at the same time, if you've ever been close to violence, you know, if you think about the feelings we had post nine eleven. Uh, we look at the, the the stuff in the news with what's going on in the Middle East and, and some of the assaults against uh, children and stuff like that. I mean, you're horrified. It stops you in your tracks. And you need to, unless you're in the community, you need to change the channel really quickly. And so uh, what I do is now, so let's circle back around to our philosophy and our, and our protocol or methodology, is there is no defense in our system because defense means the bad guys already started doing something to you. So we want to get to what we call the left of the ambush. How do we improve our awareness at all levels so that what we do is protective? So, so if from us, just from purely from a semantics point of view, if you train with me, we don't let you word, use the word block or defend. And people are like, well, why? But, you know, it's just semantics. It just means that the bad guy's hitting you now, that you let him get that close to you. Now you got to defend yourself. I want you to always be moving on the bad guy. And again, it's, it's semantics, right? It's semantics, but it's just, it's just having a, a more progressive mindset. 
Yeah. Okay. So that that's actually really interesting to me that that awareness aspect of it because I, I talk a lot about awareness in, in what I do as far as productivity and efficiency, and I feel like that people have this sort of. Uh, they blinders on a lot of times and some of it is because of technology some of it is because people are just kind of burnt out and also i think some of it is just just people just simply are not aware of their surroundings and uh, whether you're driving in a car or you're walking down the street, you know, there, there's what I'm thinking of right now is that uh, it was I guess it was five or six months ago that series of attacks where people were playing the knockout game. Yeah, I think that just also resurrected. I just saw a couple things in the news. Right. So um, which is this week. Yeah, I mean, which is awful, and the videos of it are really awful. But what? And for people who don't know, it's basically where these teenagers, or I mean, whatever around the country, it they it's a game basically to see if how if you can knock somebody out with one punch randomly on the street. And the videos that I saw, what always struck me about them was that the people were it were pretty much just completely unsuspecting and just walking down the street, and somebody came up and just knocked them out. And it. I don't know. It just struck me that like if, if they had a, a little bit of awareness, maybe they would have been a foot, a foot farther away or they, I, I don't know. You know, does, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 No, hundred percent. I agree. I mean, you know, we live it and you know, you and I are guilty of this too, uh, maybe to a lesser degree because we can talk about it. But, uh, um, you know, how many times have you, you know, stepped off the sidewalk because you were just finishing a text or, you know, something, you know, we get Pavlovian with our phones, uh, you know, uh, someone's iPhone rings and like, a you know, if you're on a bus or on a, on a, on a train or in a restaurant, look around and look at how many people look at their phone, you know? So, so we hear a beep, we hear a vibration, we get, you know, suddenly we're, we're not looking at where we are. We're not staying present, uh, you know, in our scenario. So, uh, I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. Uh, you know, we tell people don't text and drive, but it's okay for us to do it a little bit because we're better, you know, and I'm, I'm making a joke, you know, it's, it's, uh, being facetious of, of course, but a hundred percent. I mean, I wrote a, a pretty intense blog on the knockout game, um, which, uh, you should take a look at, uh, if you just Google, uh, um, uh, Tony Blauer blog, uh, knockout game or knock yourself out asshole is what I called it. Yeah, um, no, I've, I've actually read it. I know. I yeah. That's a, so, it's but, a fantastic yeah. article. I, I, um, I've definitely read it. I just, I, for some reason, actually, I guess that's why, why the knockout game came up in my mind. Yeah. Today. So, I mean, that was the biggest thing of it is just to change your awareness and, and just, you know, because if, if you're, if you suddenly, you know, we, we teach, uh, you know, a simple, a simple protocol called the three D's detect, defuse and de-escalate, detect and avoid, defuse and de-escalate, and then uh, the last D is defend. Um, and most martial arts self-defense systems focus almost exclusively on the physical defense part. There's some, uh, um, I don't mean to be this in a derogatory sense, uh, lip service around the awareness and the verbal. And I say lip service because the truth of the matter is uh, if you ask somebody, you know, would you rather have greater awareness and not be near a situation or would you rather get into, you know, a serious skirmish and fight? Most people, if if they had truth serum, would say, I don't I really don't want to fight, you know. Um, and so if that's true, then most of the training should be around the first two D's and they're not. And that's why I say lip service. And, you know, that pisses off a lot of self-defense instructors. Uh, and, but that's my job is to be provocative because they should be providing a service that makes people safer. And that doesn't mean, um, you know, it's, it's like teaching someone drown proofing stuff, but not teaching them about riptides and, uh, how to read currents and how to look at flags and, you know, uh, you know, you know, what, you know, how to read the ocean before they go in, or even just the awareness of to walk up to a lifeguard and go, you know, where can I go? Where should I not go? How far out's too far? And just changing that awareness, I'll go to certain cities. I travel a tremendous amount, and you know, most of my business is training law enforcement, military. I'll ask people, you know, where's a good place to go to meet some friends? Where's a good place to go for? And they know what I'm asking is, you know, where do I need a gun to go? Where should I have an escort? What street should I not go on? You know what I mean? It's so, so what I'm doing is I'm actually uh, um, enhancing, you know, my 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 personal radar and my, my intuition and, um, making myself safer by focusing on the first D detect and avoid. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and so th this is particularly interesting to me too, because I, 
practiced, or I mean, I learned, and I'm a yellow belt, which is not very high, but I'm a yellow belt in Krav Maga, which is the uh, Israeli defense martial arts system for people who don't know it. And I'm curious of your take on that, first of all. But what I what I found was that I, I, you know, I've learned how to defend myself against specific gun attacks and knife attacks and all this stuff, and. I honestly, I don't, I don't walk around thinking like, oh, I could take anybody that goes at me. But one thing that it definitely has taught me is that whenever I'm in a situation where I get like the hairs up on the back of my neck, or even if I'm not, just if I'm around other people, I do find myself sort of planning in case like that guy turns towards me or this guy pulls something out of his pocket or whatever it might be. So I, I, I feel like it just, again, it makes me more aware. It makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. And I, I, I don't necessarily let a guard down. Right. So, but I, and my, what drew me to Krav Maga was the efficacy of it. I didn't want to spend years and years learning something. Literally, the first class I went to, I learned something that was useful and interesting. So, I, I mean, do you have any thoughts on Krav Maga? And, you know, be, please be totally, you know, transparent yeah. about it. I, I, you know, I think the, the answer is, um, the answer comes back to something I've always said for, you know, I've been coaching now for 35, 36 years. Uh, and in coaching, I mean, that doesn't even, when I started, how long I started training. So professionally giving classes, um, I would say that it's, it's never, it's never the style. It's always the coach, the instructor, the mentor, um, you know, on, on paper, Krav Maga is certainly a lot more like I used the word efficacy. The, you know, it's, 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 uh, depending on its lineage, um, it's definitely considered one of the more street oriented arts, but I would, you know, I would say this, you know, like I'm huge in the CrossFit community. Uh, when I say huge, I mean into, I'm, I'm not huge. I'm very, <laughs> very, very embedded. I mean, I do the CrossFit defense. I run their self-defense, uh, programming, but, um, uh, uh, but I've been part of CrossFit for 2006 and I've been to places where, you know, i disappointed in the coaching and I've been to other places where the coaching is outstanding, but they're both, both facilities were called CrossFit, right? So, you know, you've got hundreds and hundreds of, of Krav Maga studios. Uh, I, I'm sure there's some that are outstanding and some where, you know, somebody is just going through the motions because they just don't get it or they're not there yet, or they're doing it for the money or whatever. But, you know, I'm off on a tangent. What I'm saying is, is, is that at, at the end of the day, um, it always comes down to your instructor that everything works in a demo and everything theoretically on paper is the, the next best thing to slice bread. So, you know, uh, not trying to be careful. This is my this is my answer when I get asked if I'm on TV and somebody asks me about stuff. You know, what do you think of this restaurant? Uh, I go, you know, it really depends on the chef. You know, and and uh, so whoever's cooking your class, if he was good, then you got good instruction. Yeah, well, and I think that's a very fair point. I was fortunate. Uh, my I, I trained under Ron Mizrahi, who's who's been training since he was seven under the founder of Krav Maga. So, um, well, that would <laughs> that's, that's pretty close to direct lineage, you know. Uh, so, uh, you know, I've seen. I'll tell. Let's talk about my, you know my program. You know, I've got hundreds of trainers around the world. I've seen stuff on YouTube of guys training where, I mean, I'm just as the founder of the system, I'm mortified. I'm like, how do we get that off YouTube? You know, because yeah. if because if somebody looks at that, you know, and it, you know, and it's weird because it's it's you know, this person went to the class, they graduated, you know, our instructor development program, and we do the best we can, and and we're, you know, we're not about the money, we with the stuff, the mentoring, the coaching, that what we try to do, but when someone leaves there, you know, we have no idea what their work ethic is after it, right? Everyone. You know, it's, it's like a first date. Everything goes great, you know. So when people come to a train-the-trainer program, that's that first date. Everyone's mindful and respectful and asking great questions and taking notes. And, and uh, you, know, you know, a year later, you, you, you'll, you look at the expression of, of their takeaway and you're like, whoa, okay, sorry. So No, and, and that's, I've, that's absolutely true. I've seen that with Krav Maga. I've seen that with CrossFit too. And, and so, you know, I'm, I've, I was a CrossFit for a long time and I still do a lot of CrossFit style stuff but it's the same thing you know the the level one coaching course is two days basically so it really does depend on that person's ability to take it somewhere after I believe yeah I mean well the you know the what you're getting in a two-day course like CrossFit or, or, or a PDR course which is 2.5 days uh is um 
a, a, recipe, a recipe, a methodology, a philosophy, and an, and, and, uh, an invitation to join a, a community of open-minded professionals trying to make the world fitter, make the world safer. Uh, if you've got uh, a hidden agenda, ulterior motives, or a, um, uh, you know, a, a work ethic that again, like on the first date, you know, you know, if, if male or female, someone said like, Hey, here's everything that's wrong with me on the first date. A lot of people wouldn't get a second date. Right. <laughs> you know, so you find like at a year later, you're going, shit, if I had known that when we first met. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but you know this. I mean, this applies to. I'm sure uh, you know someone contacts you for some of your coaching and and uh, and skill set, and you go, look, here's what you got to do with your email. You got to try this out, and here's what you got to do. And you give them the recipe, you give them the mentoring, and then like a month later, you check in, and they're still overwhelmed and screwed up and not doing it. And in and, and you know they're they're uh, you know it's it's like it's they're only doing it ninety percent of the time. Well, so. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. The student has to follow the lesson plan to the T for a certain amount of time that's agreed to where you can then say, look, I need to measure these results. And if I'm more stressed or more fearful or, or less dialed in or whatever, like maybe this isn't the program for me, but you, you got to give the program a shot first. Yeah, right. Absolutely. All right. Well, so let's, let's come back to Spear for a sec here. Um, one of the things that you talk about a lot, which I love, is about devaluing yourself as a target. Yep. So uh, let's just, you know, how does that sort of play into this? You know, how do you get into that? How do you even, because there have been some scenarios that I've heard you talk about that I, I wouldn't have even occurred to me, honestly. Like which ones do you remember? Well, uh, well, the ATM one, for one, was a great one. Sure. And I know that was a very popular video. But uh, the carjacking ones, too, just it's like, how do you, you know, it, it's, it's hard <laughs> to think, like, what's going to make you less valuable to somebody, some, uh, you know, necessarily? Well, it's, I mean, so what we do, and it was funny, I had an email co correspondent with uh, um, a, um, a business, you know, buddy of mine who we do, you know, we do some business with. And, and he said to me, because of what he, what I purchased from him in our relationship, he says, you give too much away online if you really wanted to monetize this thing. <laughs> you know, you got to. And I said, well, you know, that's what I do. You know, I want to make the world safer. That's what I've wanted to do since I'm, you know, a teenager. And uh, so I've got to figure out different ways to, to, you know, generate income. And that's through my seminars and speaking and our, our online audios and DVDs and whatever. But there's certain things that I'm not going to do. And, and uh, which brings me full circle to your question is because like the real answer would be, well, you know, for 99 bucks, you can sign up for this seminar. But, you know, the bottom line is what I want to do is I want the bad guys to lose. And that's what my life has always been about, is about how to enhance people's safety and survivability. And so what I'm about to share now is devaluing yourself. This is all you need to know. Uh, does it change if you get to do it in a scenario? Does it change if you're live at a seminar? We just did, uh, shit, where was I last week? Uh, uh, I can't even remember where I just was. I just, oh, it was our, our annual uh, personal defense and spear system camp in Las Vegas where we had people from all over the world, um, you know, come in and train. And uh, a bunch of them had in, in, in the different Q&As after some of the, the lecture physical blocks were people commenting on how they had all of our DVDs that studied the stuff and now finally getting to do it live was so different. Um, and so what, you know, one of the things that we talk about, like even in, in, um, post viewing of the ATM, I encourage people to actually go to an ATM and try out the, the strategy that we, that we prescribe. Um, and most people won't, um, I'll put you on the spot. So you watched the ATM video, you studied, you thought it was great. Have you gone to an ATM and tried it? Absolutely. I did actually. Did you? Awesome. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> well, you know, and I'll, t I'll tell you why. A very simple thing. My, my, my instructor, my Krav Maga instructor told us a story uh, a while ago, which I, honestly, I don't even know if it was true, but it stuck with me. And I've always thought of this. He said that there were two cops that he knew who, or there were, sorry, not that he knew, but there were these two cops who had trained uh, gun takeaways, basically. And they trained, they trained, trained. Because what he was telling us was, because I was training with a partner and he's like, when you're done, you know, don't just hand it back to the guy, like walk away and take a second and then give it to your, give it to your partner and let them do it. Um, he said that these guys basically trained gun takeaways over and over and over, and they would take it away and then they'd hand it to their friend and then they would 
go back and forth. And apparently one of these cops got uh, held up at a liquor store and he took the gun away from the robber and then he handed it back because right. of that muscle memory. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. and, and he got, and apparently he was killed. So I, I never, I, I, even if it's not a true story, it always stuck with me. And yeah. so for me, it was always like, I, anytime I'm going to practice something or I think about these things, I want to make it as realistic as possible. So yes, I have actually done that at an ATM. Good. Um, uh, you're, you're one of 3% of the population that does that. Um, and I, and I, you know, I, I asked this cause we talk about the ATM strategy and devaluing yourself at every seminar, uh, because in it isn't just the ATM safety, it's understanding this reverse engineering strategy. Um, and it's real simple. Um, so bad guys only want one of three things. So here's the, here's the recipe for you and your audience. Bad guys only want one of three things, your property, your body, or your life. Um, and it's a really short list. We create a really short list because it's scary, but it helps you make decisions faster. It's an if-then-go-to. It's your brain as a biocomputer DOS system. But you got to program it, and you got to decide to act on it. Um, it you know, one of the reasons why uh, victims of violence exist to the degree they do is because of this cognitive dissonance of trying to correct it. Maybe he only wants this. Well, maybe this. Well, what if this? And now, you know, that list of what are the possibilities um, could be endless, right? Uh, so we have another motto, Maxim. It's that, uh, you know, everything's possible, but not everything's probable. In other words, what's probably about to happen here? Um, so if I'm getting held up in an ATM, you know, does this guy want to uh, put, put me in the trunk and take me to secondary crime scene and kill me? Could be. It's a possibility. Does he want to beat me up? Could be. It's a possibility. I'm at an ATM machine. Does he want my money? Pretty Sure, that's the one, right? Because we're at an ATM machine. Now, after he takes my money, might he punch me in the face or, or shoot me? Yeah. But by understanding just that simple thing, when you're in the scenario, the, the, the selection you make of uh, property, body, life uh, will be obvious and congruous with the scenario you're in. So people run into a bank and they go, you know, everyone on the ground or get your hands up. You know, if I said to you, Ari, multiple choice, guys are robbing a bank, you know, is it because they wanted to steal everyone's new Nikes or they wanted the money in the vault? You know, multiple choice, guess one, you know, and you could say they wanted the shoes and I go, well, you know, they took the shoes ironically, but they got the bunny first because that's, that's why they went to the bank. So, you know, I'm, and I'm making this really cartoon simple for people because, you know, it's different again, listening to it over Skype. You've got to identify what the person wants. Then, then you start thinking creatively, how do I devalue myself? So in the carjacking one, that was one that like, people were like, like try to stump the ban. And what about a carjacking? And because, because of the way martial arts and self-defense is talked, you know, we're always subconsciously trying to figure out how we're going to do like a Chuck Norris crescent kick to, right. knock the gun, to knock the gun out of the guy's hand. Or how am I going to do like a Jackie Chan, Jet Li, you know, jump up in the car and do a back handspring? And, you know, and the reality is if somebody's doing a carjacking, while I could get injured, while I could get kidnapped, what they're doing is jacking the car. If I can read that and intercept that and devalue the car, I become part of the devalued process. So... I jump out in that video that you saw where I jump out going off oh, shit, you know, I, you know, I ran out of gas or my battery's dead or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever's congruous with the scenario. Um, uh, you know, you could walk up to three guys that were about to jack your car. And if you saw three guys up and somebody said to you, those three guys are carjackers are coming for your car. If you ran up to them and said, excuse me, any of you guys got a jumper cable? My car's dead. I mean, immediately you just, it's the butterfly effect in their brain. Now, now you might, now they might mug you, right? So, you know, but, but what I'm saying is like uh, the devalue concept has to do with specifically trying to put yourself in the um, predator's shoes and go, what does a predator want here? And how do I make what he's looking at of little or no value to him? So he goes, you know what? I'm going to go to the next person because this, this particular person or scenario is of no value to me. And, and and the good thing, obviously, about that is that it, it it doesn't require a stronger punch to be exactly. able to tell somebody, you know, like, oh shit, I don't have any money in it, or you know, I don't like, or what the ATMs in there, for instance, like it, that that doesn't require you to be strong. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, strong of mind, but but have no physical, you know, a- aptitude or attribute. The the thing, and that's the whole thing with you know, like how can I make your your mom safer? Well, I could show right. her the ATM video. I could show her the carjacking video. You know, and so, and that's what happened with that one when it went viral. Is I mean, people said I, I showed that to every person I care about, you know? Um, and uh, we've had some really interesting feedback of people literally using that at ATMs. And then more interestingly, people just adapting it to other scenarios at uh, uh, gas stations and, and, you know, restaurants and stuff like that, where they, they intuitively applied the concept and then, um, you know, got out the situation. Kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's incredibly cool. Uh, and it, it just, I think it's, it's incredibly applicable. It's a good way of thinking about it. And again, it, it still, it helps with that awareness because you do need to be aware of what people are like, what they want, what they're looking for, or who it, you know, so that you can sort of sell it basically. So it's, it's a, it's a very good way to frame well, it. I well, think. well, that's the, and that's the idea of, of also practicing it because, uh, you know, you don't want your first rep to be a real confrontation ideally. Right. Exactly. So, all right. So the, the last question I love to ask on the podcast interviews is what are your top three tips or pieces of advice for being more effective? And, you know, that can mean whatever it means to you. So basically the, the top three pieces of advice you can give for people to be more effective. Um, wow. There's some stuff that I'm incredibly effective in and other things that I, <laughs> I look at and I go, why don't I apply what I teach in self <laughs> to this part of my life? You know, so I suppose every, Every subject matter expert has that conversation. Um, I, I would say the the uh, the you know I'd I'd love to turn this around and, and ask you to be more specific with areas of my life. You know whether it's a business relationship or self defense. Um, and, uh, and business. Let's I, say business. Well, um, I I am a a. Um, huge multitasker, even though there are you know, some theories that people can't multitask or shouldn't multitask. Uh, just the nature and the op-tempo of my brain and the bandwidth that I'm running at. Uh, like right now, if you could see me, I've got like three computers open in front of me because it's way faster for me to have all these screens open and do this stuff than to do one thing at a time. It's not, it's not optimal. And I found that my so the, the balance for effectiveness for me is one is executing on a goal, being very clear on what you want to accomplish each day or each week or each month and and just attack it just like a fight. Just you've got to go at it hard. Uh, when I do that, that is also emotionally, psychologically gratifying. So, you know, to me, effectiveness is when you've got your emotional, psychological and physical system congruent, you know, and so um, you, you, you sense that euphoria when you achieve something, right? You know, you, you, whether you're writing a proposal, whether you're clearing out your email, you know when you did the last step, you probably stood up from your desk and kind of high-fived yourself and went, wow, that feels great. Um, so, you know, uh, having a specific goal when you're going to, when you're going to attack it uh, and, 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 and accomplishing it, following it through, is, is massive. And that's nothing new. I mean, everybody talks about, you know, writing down your goals, um, I think some people focus on um, having a bigger goal too soon as opposed to r- recognizing that um, like a wheel, you've got all these spokes and maybe what makes the wheel stable and turn. So maybe getting somewhere is the goal, but you got to build this bike and you actually need to manually put in the spokes to get the wheel rolling, to get to the goal. So understanding the interconnectivity of stuff so that you don't go, hey, you know, my big goal is getting here, but recognizing that you're not going to get there if you don't work on these small goals. So seeing the, uh, the you know, the, yeah, the metacognitive, the deeper understanding of what you need to understand is huge. I think a lot of people lose that. Um, and I see that in self-defense, you know, where people go, well, I'll just do this. And I'll go, yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of little things going on here that, that you're not addressing. So, um, so, you know, big one is having goals, understanding that the subsets of goals or the supporting goals are, are tantamount to, you know, accomplishing the big goal. And then having this metacognitive awareness and a deeper understanding of, of those things. So those are the two big ones that kind of probably a little bit wordy answer. I don't know if, if, 
if you got a clear summary or if that made sense. Uh, that makes total sense. And that's definitely not just Apple to business. I think those are, those are really good. Yeah. Um, other than that, man, I'm, if you saw me, like I'm, I'm a total mess <laughs> in that, in that I'm all over the place. I mean, I look at, you know, uh, you know, people see me on social media, Instagram and Facebook and, you know, and, and they go, wow, you got this so dialed in. And I suppose I do for me, but it's not, um, it's, I wish, you know, I uh, like literally, uh, every time I bump into, uh, a, a business person that I look at as a mentor or a guide or, or, uh, an influencer or someone who's successful, you know, I'll ask them similar questions. What are you using? You have a secret app, you have a program, you know, what's, you know, how do you, how do you manage all your tasks? How do you do that? And, you know, everyone seems to be in the same boat. You know, we're overwhelmed with email, we're overwhelmed with projects and, and, um, um, the, the other thing that I found have, that has worked really good for, uh, helping me sleep better and also get my day focused is when I'm winding down my day is really kind of deciding what would make me happy tomorrow if I, if I dug into that or accomplished that and, and having that, that list, even, even if I don't get to it, you know, it's there, I purged it from my brain. I got it on paper and, um, and, you know, try to hit that. Uh, the other thing I will tell you this is, man, train, workout. Do something physical, intelligent physical work at your body. Your body needs movement. If you're just sitting at a desk and, you know, screwing up your, your head posture, your back posture, uh, you, you're going to regret that no matter what measure of success you achieve. Um, absolutely, I would, I would caution everybody to not, I don't care if it's a relationship issue, business issue, if you look at your, is the old, you know, the old uh, um, uh, uh, cliche metaphors, your body is your temple type thing, and you got to take care of your body, blah blah blah. It's so true. I've gone in and out of that over over the years, um, and it's the one thing I, that I I regret not being consistent of. And I, you know, I train all the time, but uh, but there's been uh, forced sabbaticals, um, which I'll never take off again. So I would tell everybody, uh, work out every day find a time that works for you because it really is the fountain of youth as we get older is that you know regenerating that source of energy and focus and I, I will tell you this I mean I'm a CrossFit uh, diehard uh, workouts that scare you and workouts that push you create the greatest adaptation you can have and that's mentally and psychologically forget what it's doing to your body if you have a good coach you're not going to hurt yourself um, but overcoming obstacles in your training at your physical self, uh, will make you, uh, way better in business, in bed, in, in, uh, uh, in personal life. Awesome. Those are, I love that. Um, so where's, we're going to put links to everything and the videos and in, in the show notes, but what's the, the best place for people to find out more about everything you got going on? Well, it, it really, uh, you know, everything, it depends on, on, on where you're at. I mean, I, I post something on Instagram almost every day that feeds to my Facebook and Twitter. So if you're like, what's, you know, where's Waldo? What's Tony up to? What's he doing? You know, if you're visual like that, follow me on Instagram. If, if you're more cerebral and you want to read about our stuff, you know, it's TonyBlower.com or Tony Blower blog or a CrossFit defense site. So, you know, these are all different sites with, with different uh, scopes and focus. But uh, so there's a number of sites and then, uh, you know, our, our, my personal Facebook feed, which is just the Tony Blower, Tony, Tony Blower. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to post all that. Tony, it's really been great talking to you. I love, I love this stuff. And uh, you've shared some really awesome knowledge with us. So thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. It's Felix here. Thanks for taking the time to listen in. And we hope you're enjoying the podcast. We always like to hear your feedback. Please make sure to check out the blog at lessdoing.com where you can find out about Ari's elite group coaching mastermind group, as well as the Less Doing University, which has over 100 hours of video content and a question and answer forum too. Also, if you love the show, please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. Thanks a lot and we'll see you next week.